What's happening, everybody? Welcome to this emergency edition of Syracuse Sports. Dino Babers has been fired as the head coach of the Syracuse football team. Reported first this morning by Pete Thamel of ESPN. Confirmed by Syracuse Athletic Director John Wildhack. So the search will be on for the 33rd head coach in Syracuse football history. The loss to Georgia Tech will be the last one that Dino Babers will coach. And we will certainly discuss that not only today, but in the days to come. And we are looking forward to hearing from you. On this podcast, we're looking forward to hearing from our Syracuse Sports Insiders, so we will uh, get some of their comments out there, and so much to cover here, but uh, the immediate reactions to begin here, Brent Dax, Emily Liker, Syracuse.com, if it felt like we just did this like 12 hours ago, we did, but that's how quickly the world can change, Emily. There was some rumblings this was a possibility, and it became reality today. Dino Babers is no longer the head coach of the Syracuse football team. What are you thinking here just in, in the immediate aftermath of the news becoming official? Yeah, you know, you know, it's interesting. I was flying back from Atlanta uh, when the news broke. I was honestly dead asleep because I did not get very much sleep last night working with the late game and obviously landed and and, and got the news. And, and like you said, like there was rumblings that this is going to happen. It, it wasn't unexpected um to us so we were prepared we were we ready we were ready we had our game plan i think one of the the most interesting things that hadn't really struck me until right as we were getting on this this pod is like we likely won't get to talk to dino again like they're not syracuse isn't going to trot him out and it's up to him if he wants to talk to any of us about his time here or wants any closing remarks and so um an interesting moment though probably not very high on his interesting press conference moments last night so georgia tech's post-game press conference was inside its football team's weight room um at the basement of bobby dodd stadium so like we're in this like huge completely mirrored room like weight racks everywhere and dino comes in and he's looking around and he's like is this their primary weight room and he's like asking like the gt guy and he's like yeah and he like just kind of slowly makes a walk away from us back towards the back of the room and like i'm like craning because i'm like is he trying to compose himself does he know that something's going on like has something changed like in the immediate aftermath of this game and it it didn't entirely give that vibe i do think he was just a football coach looking around a weight room but it was an interesting moment and a moment i think worth bringing up he made a comment he was like yeah this is definitely bigger than ours is obviously Syracuse is redoing its weight room right now as part of the football ops um, center but now Dino will not get to reap the benefits of that and I mean he was he was being lauded up there as they broke ground on that just six to eight weeks ago so it's interesting that this move comes with the backdrop of that. It comes in the comments from Syracuse Chancellor Kent Severud and Athletic Director John Wildhack at the groundbreaking for that facility before Syracuse played Army and the comments that Syracuse football is an ascendant brand, right, on the heels of that opening. I asked Dino Babers after Syracuse lost to Florida State about the depth of his football team, and he made those pretty pointed comments about we we don't have any depth because it gets bought away, referring to NIL in the transfer portal. And honestly, Emily, and I wrote this in a column that people will see on Syracuse.com, I walked out of that room that minute 
when that press conference was over and I said, he is not long to be the head coach here anymore. You could just sense it building. But the one thing you had to keep open, of course, was Syracuse had half a season to go. If they clinched a six or seven win season earlier, then I think we're having a different conversation right now. We're talking about Dino Babers going into a ninth season and maybe having a conversation about, do you give him a, a paper extension or some sort of indication that he's going to continue? But that's not the case. And now the questions come up about timing. There still is a game to go. They still can clinch bowl eligibility against Wake Forest. Nunzio Campanelli is going to be the interim coach of this team, which a little surprised at that move. I don't know about you, Emily. Yeah. You got Rocky Long on the staff, who, of course, has been a head coach before, said he didn't want to be a head coach again. So I don't know if he got asked and passed on it. But to go with Nunzio, who was an interim coach at Rutgers, he has done this before. So it does make sense in a way. But I was a little surprised he got the nod. How about you? I was also surprised, and I had the same thought about Rocky, that maybe they asked him and he was like, look, I am over this. I don't want to do that type of role anymore, which is completely fair of him he got out of head coaching for a reason and and I understand that I I think probably the bigger reasoning that SU chose that it's Jersey guy is because of the recruiting class right because mm -hmm. that is one of the things that now comes into high focus over the next few weeks um early national signing day is on 20th or the 21st I can't remember off the top of my head it's a couple weeks from now Syracuse has one of its best classes that it's had in a while. Um, I haven't looked at where it's ranked nationally recently. Uh, 51 in the nation, which is definitely higher than the 2023 class was. A lot of those guys are from Jersey. Campanelli has the connections to Jersey to hopefully maintain, maintain those commitments. Um, but we'll see because a few of those guys that I had been able to talk to over the summer, like they were sold on this program by, by Dino. So We'll That's a question. The transfer portal, the timing of this, which I'm going to get into in a second, which I actually will applaud John Wildhack on, even with the kind of short term implications of this. But Dino finishes with a record of 41 and 55 overall. That's actually the fifth most wins in program history is the longest tenured coach at Syracuse since Paul Pasqualoni. But 20 and 45 in ACC play. That's just one game better than Duke. For the worst mark in that eight-game span, no ACC school has qualified for fewer bowl games than Syracuse over the past eight seasons. We'll see if they get a third bowl bid here. They cannot have a another winning season unless they win against Wake Forest and win a bowl game. But just two winning seasons in eight years under Babers to give you the numbers there. Our Syracuse Sports Insiders have certainly been texting us, Emily, about this. And you can become a Syracuse Sports Insider by texting the word ORANGE to 315-847-3895. What a great example of what you're going to get as a Syracuse Sports Insider. I've been texting with our Syracuse Sports Insiders all morning. They're already asking for my top five candidates. They're already asking a lot of questions, putting things out there, reacting to it. And we asked our insiders about the timing of the move. What do you think about doing this now? Did Syracuse make the right move so i want to get a few of their responses in here rj saying for sure this is the right call for syracuse didn't think that wild hack had the uh i will i will improvise and say the onions in this case and i think uh, a lot of people were wondering if john wild hack would do this he has not had a reputation of firing coaches in the past 
And this is going to be an indictment on Wildhack's tenure as AD, as we'll get into. This is the biggest hire you can make as an athletic director at a major Division One Power 5 school, right? Uh, Jarrell writes in to say that Syracuse University has unrealistic expectations with poor funding and resources. Who are you going to get that's better, and how are you going to recruit in this environment? It's a very difficult place to win, largely because of what the administration has done or hasn't done. The only people who think this is a good move are those who wear orange-colored glasses. So there's somebody going against the grain a little bit. Mike texts in to say that I mixed, just went through the season, schedule, results, we all knew they'd be four and three. The season could get to nine and three or four and eight. I think he had to win eight games, seven and five plus a bowl win or eight and four. Boston College was a horrible loss. Pitt reminded me of G Rob's last game at Notre Dame when they put freshman Antoine Bailey in the Wildcat and won at Notre Dame. Too little, too late. Uh, speaking of which, Paul Pasqualoni's last game as head coach was also against Georgia Tech in the Champ Sports Bowl, so he'll share that with uh, Babers. Jim texts in to say that Wild Hack is going to be under tremendous pressure to make a big hire. Season ticket prices are going up. Ticket holders are going to have to pick new seats with the change of seating venue at the Dome starting next year. Taking a chance on an up-and-comer will be risky. Also says, I feel like they should have waited. My concern is for the player morale heading into a bowl play-in game, essentially. A couple more from our uh, text crew. David says, good time to do it. Take a meaningless bowl game out of the equation, a win over Wake Forest, a win in a bowl game. There we go again. So just a a few reactions there, Emily. And that's it. Like so much enters your mind now. People are thinking about candidates. They're thinking about timing. They're thinking about morale. These players still have to go out there and try and win a game this week under Coach Campanelli. Right, But you've got to sacrifice the short term for the long game. And that's where I will compliment John Wildack here. you got to get your name in the game. you got to send the message to those prospective coaches that Syracuse is hiring. And for all those that will kind of look at Syracuse and how hard it is to win here. I've been through a few of these coaching searches, Emily. I've seen it. I've seen Greg Robinson come in for Paul Pasqualoni. I've seen Doug Marone come in for him. Marone's name's being thrown around again to come back and and save Syracuse, right? I've seen Scott Schaefer take over for Marone. I've seen Babers. I've seen Dick McPherson to go back to the 1980s when he took over for Frank Maloney, handing the ball off to Paul Pasqualoni, right? So in 2023, you've got to put yourself in position to attack the portal. You've got to put yourself in position to save what you can from that recruiting class, but also put your own spin on recruiting if you're a coach that has success in recruiting and has to convert those players to come to Syracuse, right? And to me, and this is just pure speculation on my part, Emily, Wild Hack must have a target in mind. In his statement, he said there is a nationwide search going on here, but why do it now? You do it now because you know who you're going after and you want to get them before somebody else does. At least that's my theory. I will bend a little bit of consideration to Wild Hack on there. And I think he's smart to get in the game even a week early. It makes a difference. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely think that's a that's a valid theory and, and something to consider. I mean, there is already a list of potential candidates that Pete Thamel shared that he's reporting are, are people Syracuse is considering. And obviously, there are some of the names you would expect on there. Tony White, Sean Lewis, who got recently got demoted by Deion Sanders in an interesting situation out there. We already uh, already mentioned Marone. Uh, Mendenhall, Bronco Mendenhall is 
the interesting one on that list to me. That's the former BYU and Virginia coach that was ousted at Virginia two years ago and led to um, Robert and I and Jason Beck coming up here. Um, obviously, if if Mendenhall comes up here, I'd be curious to see what, what Beck's future is with the program. But uh, looping back to a couple of the things that people mentioned in the texts, um, the first being the the orange colored glasses comment, you know, there is, there is validity to that, right? Like there is a lot of other things Syracuse needs to do to make this program successful besides just a coaching change. It has to get, get better with NIL. It has to be putting more money into NIL. It's doing the football operations. So, and this is, this is not just stuff we're saying. This is stuff I have heard from people close to the program that think these things need to be better and have football knowledge and stuff like that. And just know Syracuse does not, quite up to par on a lot of these things. Um, but to that point, I say like to the, to the idea of like, Oh, there's so much they can fix a coach. Like you don't like no coach is going to be able to make it better. You don't really know that until you know it, like you cannot just keep on keeping on just because you're scared about what's going to happen on the other side. Like at some point you have to make a change and whether it's risky, whether it feels safe in the moment and ends up not paying off or it pays off, whatever, like you have to make that change. And that's what we saw at Duke and Duke it's, it's gone well for them. Obviously they're having an interesting season this year because they've lost, they've also lost two of their starting quarterbacks, um, including one who's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Um, so that would be my, my orange colored glasses kind of response to that, that phrase there, I think. Well, and here's the thing you have to have a plan you have to have a commitment of resources. There was a lot of speculation that Syracuse would hesitate to do this because, remember, they have to buy out the final year, we believe, of Dino Baber's mm -hmm. contract. We still don't know exactly what that contract is. Syracuse certainly hides behind their private school status on that one. But you're definitely paying off somewhere in the neighborhood of 4 or $5 million. I think that has been out there reported. Pete Thamel has noted some numbers. Like You're paying the final year of Baber's contract. You have to not only hire a head coach and be serious that it's it's a competitive number. You know, Syracuse always ranks somewhere in the middle when USA Today puts out that annual list of coaching salaries, right? So do you go big and go big name? And again, I don't want to get into speculation about names today, but what Wild Hack is selling, right? Okay, we've got this new facility you're building. Great. You're behind in NIL. So you need a coach that comes in and embraces that and can help Syracuse in that department. Recruiting, of course, is important. What kind of system are you putting in? All that will be discussed and talked about, Emily. And what people have to realize is if you are someone who's been calling for a change, and I, I get if you have, eight years is enough under Dino Babers to know what this program was getting. He did take them two steps forward, but then they took two steps back. Eight years is enough of a sample size to see where this thing was going, and it didn't feel like there was momentum. It didn't feel like things were progressing. They were punching up. They were working their way up in the ACC, which expands next year, by the way. You've got programs coming in at SMU, for example, that's going to come in with a lot of booster money, going to come in with the Dallas market behind it and could hit the ground running in a league like the ACC, right? So these are all fair questions to ask. But now a lot of the short-term things get sacrificed for those that say, oh, you're going to lose certain recruits, you're going to lose certain players. Look, things move fast in college football today. You can build back in the portal, right? You can't just rely on that. Even Deion Sanders, who shot off like a rocket to start the year at Colorado, is coming back down to earth. And 
The big thing there, Emily, and I'm going to get really specific on this, and there's actually a couple coaches out there that fit this profile, as we'll discuss in future shows. I think the next coach has got to have an expertise, has to have connections, and has to really know the offensive line as mm-hmm. best as you can get because ultimately that's what we circle back to time and time again at Syracuse under Babers, the problem. And there was a guy there last night, Emily, who's in the National Football League as an offensive lineman and Matthew Bergeron. So it can be done, but the procedure penalties and just the, the pattern uh, that we've seen has really held Syracuse back no matter who the quarterback has been, what the offensive philosophy has been. And Emily, ultimately, this is, I think, what sunk Babers' battleship. He comes in in 2015 and did that famous speech where he told us all to close our eyes at that press conference and envision these things. He was an offensive guru. Here we are watching a team in the past couple of games. Mind you, injury was a factor in this. But they could not be further from that vision of that fast-paced, no-huddle, orange-is-the-new-fast offense that was promised, that was one of the biggest signs that a change had to be made. You come in with a certain reputation and promise certain things. We couldn't be further from what Syracuse football was supposed to be under Babers in that case. Right, and and this is kind of what we, we talked about last night when we were just speaking broadly about what last night's loss could mean and, and the implications there was that so many of these things that went wrong last night in the past month in this season are things that routinely have happened every single year under Babers. Like, like looking at last year and a six and O start to a five game slump, like you're looking at the same storyline two seasons in a row and it's, it's impacted by injuries. It's impacted by like, we've talked about not being able to recruit guys that can come in and play right away, whether it be, really high caliber freshmen or guys out of the transfer portal. Like they just haven't had success with that so far. And, and it's kind of bitten them in the butt, to be honest. A couple more from uh, the Syracuse sports insiders. I wanted to get out there. Emily Evans says program desperately needs another voice. It doesn't have to be a big name guy, just another voice. Kind of what we're talking about here. Tommy says, regardless of Dino, We owe it to the seniors to be there for them next weekend in the Dome. They deserve a proper send-off. And, Emily, we started to see that a little bit. Our colleague Chris Carlson was out there talking to some players at uh, Manly today. Remember, they've got a game this week. They're still trying to go through as normal a week as they possibly can, right? But, look, you've got to give credit to the players through all of this. You wrote about this. You mentioned it on the pod last night. Dan Valari walking in the room with ice bags all over his body, right? And wide receivers on that team making the sacrifice, knowing they're not going to get the football. LaQuinn Allen, the efforts he's put in. I mean, we can name a lot of players individually. The defense, you know, that last drive against Georgia Tech, a couple of penalties, and they just kind of finally fell apart after holding strong throughout that game. But that has not been an issue. This team has played hard. This team has played for its coaching staff. I don't think Babers ever essentially lost the locker room in that case. It just didn't work. It's just a number of factors that just didn't work to what it needed to and what it should. But the, the players, their effort, their commitment, their dedication has not been an issue and I don't think will be an issue in Wake Forest. They could go out with a win. You know, when Scott Schaefer got fired Prior to Dino coming in, he got to coach that last game against Boston College. Those players took him off on their shoulders, and he kind of rode off into the sunset in his last game. Dino won't get that chance because Nunzio Campanelli is going to coach. But 
I think these players will still be playing for Dino one way or the other. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I definitely don't think it was like completely smooth sailing this season by any means, just with some of the things that happened and the way those things were addressed. Um, but right, like Valari, the last thing he comes he comes out and says at that press conference last night when he's cho- talking with us is he he's like bowl game can't be the standard, but he's like, we got to go out and get that because this coaching staff deserves it. And he mentions the coaching staff before he does seniors. And that was interesting to me. Now mentioning the coaching staff as a whole compared to just Babers is maybe potentially a little different, but I I think the point still stands. Um, And yeah, like you mentioned, Chris, Chris Carlson, our colleague went out um, kind of lingered as, as guys were going into the facility this morning, as they were finding out, um, found out via Twitter, which I know sounds so sucky and I can't imagine um, finding out that way, but that's just kind of how this business goes. Like it's tough. And by Twitter, I think they, Pete Thamel got it from ESPN and Pete Thamel doesn't work, wait for team meetings or anything like that. He gets the news, he puts it out. So that's unfortunate, but I think that's what they're referring to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But Chris said no one was seemed too like morose or anything like that. Like guys were, being very polite and respectful going into the facility and, and we're engaging a little bit. Caleb Okachukwu stopped and talked to him for a few minutes and, and said, yeah, you know, business is business basically. And like, we're just going to finish out this season. You know, that's a guy who was here for Babers 2018 season, that 10 and three season, which is his, will go down as his most successful here at Syracuse. Um, and, And Caleb's been here through that all and through definitely some highs and some lows. And, and, you know, like you said, business is business. Highs and lows is a good thing to step back and focus on for a moment. The highs are certainly that Virginia Tech win in his first year and that amazing locker room speech he gave afterwards, whose house, our house, setting the tone, upset early, changing of the guard, got people fired up. The win over Clemson in 2017, when Clemson was number two in the country, a, a Friday night at the Dome, Eric Dungey and company pulled that off. They didn't win another game that rest of that season, but it set up that 2018 year where they go 10-3. and three. And the talk then, Emily, to see how quickly things change, the movement was paid, you know, extend, you know. People saw something. They saw something building. Now, remember, this is a mix of players he's starting to bring in and players that were recruited under a previous administration, Dungey being the most notable, but he recruits Tommy DeVito, who checked every box. He's in that six-hour window. He's a highly rated quarterback. He's got an arm, four stars, right? Looked like he could be the heir apparent to what Dino Babers wanted to do. But that slid into Tommy DeVito at one point was the most sacked quarterback in college football. And as I brought up earlier, it's how important it is to find somebody with an expertise on the offensive line as a head coach, not just an assistant coach be great if you bring in a couple of those guys that do that right but that emphasis there 2020 was a low for everybody it's a miracle they played a season at all but they were so devastated by injuries the mental aspect of playing through 2020 and all that went with that that's just you almost wiped that off the record by the way if you took 2020 off the record they're still one of the worst teams in the acc in that eight-year tenure right 2021 could have gone either way. They finished five and seven, but they did lose those close games. You know, John Wildhack was talking. I believe you were in the room, right? When you and Chris were talking to John and he kind of went through the years in his own view. And he's like, well, we lost a few games on the last play. It's like, yeah, you lost those games. 
That's yeah. not a compliment. I don't think that's something you, you check in the positive box, right? 2022, they start 6-0, and and whoa, look at this. They're back in the poll, and maybe there is some consistency starting to build again. Lose 6-7, including the bowl game. Same thing this year after a not a 6-0 and start, but a 4-0 and start. And ultimately, I think that's what will mark what went wrong with Dino, Emily, to really condense it down. I think uh, his time management came into question way too much, particularly in the last three years. Play calling became timid and far from this aggressive orange is the new fast approach. And you have to adjust to what personnel you have and adjust to injuries, but that's just it. Depth, whether they're being bought away or not, became an issue. Dino was 7-22 and in the month of November. Like, you can't have that. You've got to get a coach, and this is a challenge for any coach that comes in here, to find a team that can sustain injuries, build depth, and compete at this time of the year when it's important to do it. I get it's not easy to do at Syracuse, but that's the job. That's what you're selling out there, how you can do that. I think those few things ultimately kind of sunk Dino's battleship. But then I want to transition to this, and I want to get your thoughts on both of these things, Emily. I have never once encountered somebody who has said a bad word about Dino Babers, right? You know, when you see people in public at the grocery store, whatever the case may be, fans always want to know the same thing. What's that guy really like, right? <laughs> Not once have I had somebody come up to me, get in touch with me and say, oh man, that guy, phew, he's not who he says he is in public. He is as well-respected a man and as good of a person that has been in, in a high-profile position like this. And I appreciated that. And I appreciated that fans to a T have said, man, this is such he's such a great guy. But if we're just looking at this, terms of dollars and cents, wins and losses, he just didn't do his job. And frankly, I can't say that about some other coaches that have been at Syracuse. So I think people will always appreciate that as time fades, Emily, that ultimately he just didn't do the job the way it needed to be done. But people in Syracuse, New York, and in the Syracuse fan base appreciate you as a person and appreciate how hard you work. He made football fun, the pop culture references, the movie references. He was a dude, right? He's just a dude you knew was watching movies and was into pop culture, wasn't just sitting in a film room 24 hours a day. And I think people will always appreciate that about Dino. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's been a major thread in, in all of the reactions this morning, both from fans and also from like a few former players and stuff like that is, is that this is, a, this is a good guy, just maybe not a good football coach or not a good football coach anymore. And, and like, you know, like that's just, that's just as simple as you can put it. Um, but right, like as much as like we found Dino frustrating at moments for the ways the things we wouldn't get from him or the ways he would avoid our answers. Like he was never unkind to anyone in the media, I would say. Um, so yeah, I think you're right. Like people, people are going to remember, people are going to get with memory and age, things are going to get softer and it's going to be, Oh, Dino, he was the one who would tell you what movies to watch and gave his opinion on Barbenheimer and <laughs> wore Hawaiian shirts and stuff like that. Um, but in terms of like on-field stuff and and just performance of the program, this this was the right move at the right time, I think. I I agree. And you know, on that note, with you know Dino and the things that maybe we didn't appreciate media-wise, I'll say this: I always found it strange he didn't let his assistant coaches talk to the media. 
So if Nunzio Campanelli does a media session this week, which I'd imagine he will as the interim coach, think, Emily, that's hope. that's the first time I'm going to hear the man's voice mm-hmm. and have a conversation with him, right? So I yeah. always found that weird that after eight years, Dino still did that. He had his flaws uh, as any coach would, but that's the thing. You got a coaching staff in Nunzio and Jason Beck and Rocky Long. Rocky Long, 73 years old, comes back and is only here for a year, I would assume, because a new coach is going to come in and, and probably sweep everything out and, and do things his way, right? And it's the staff that's affected by this too. That, by the way, don't have four or five million dollar buyouts that you got to keep in mind. And they sign up for that life. Mm-hmm. Okay, coaches know it's a vagabond life, and you could be gone at any moment. Here, it still doesn't make it easier to go through, and their families, and what they're thinking today, and where they're going to be next, and. You know, it's it's a hell of a business, and these are the days that, that really bring that into focus. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Emily, any uh, final thoughts here? I mean, there's going to be plenty to talk about. I know you guys are speculating about names. We're going to do that show. We are going to do yeah. that show and go through the names, and you're going to hear more names than you'll ever hear before. I'm going to say this, though, guys. Okay, Urban Meyer, no. No. Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher, Fisher no. no. Ed Ogeron, No. Just wipe them off the list. It, Emily, this happens every time through every coaching search. People just, God bless you, you're shooting for the moon, but no. right? You got to be realistic about this. The calls for Jimbo Fisher this morning that have been in my Twitter mentions, like, I'm going to be honest, I've been using that mute button liberally when those pop up because not happening, guys. it's just not it's just happening, not. you guys. I mean, I, I get it in a way because Texas A&M is going to pay him $77 million to not right. coach there. So can Syracuse got to get the discount. Yeah. I get it, but that that is not happening. So no. let's eliminate that, but we will go through the list. I am going to say this, okay? Just a little nugget, a little tease for our, our candidate show, and I texted this to our insiders. Bob Chesney, Holy Cross. Just keep an eye on that name, okay? Just keep an eye on that name. <laughs> People tell me. He's well-liked by some people that are making this decision. Just going to say that. Just going to float that out there and see where it goes. But we're going to have time for that. We're going to have plenty of more reaction coming, not only here on the pod, but, of course, on Syracuse.com. Stay tuned. There's so much here. In the short term, they do have a game against Wake Forest this week, so that'll be interesting to see. But what recruits decommit? Who's interested in Syracuse? Flip the other way. Who's going to be intrigued by the new coach and will want to come to Syracuse via the transfer portal because of that? It's going to be fascinating to see how this goes. We're going to be all over it for you. So please, of course, read our coverage at Syracuse.com. But what an amazing time to be a Syracuse sports insider as well. It's right there on your screen if you're watching on YouTube. We've got plenty of information on Syracuse.com on how you can sign up for this, but it doesn't hurt to remind you guys. Text the word ORANGE to 315-847-3895. You get direct access to me. I want to reiterate, guys, this is not a group chat. You text me, I text you. Your my opinions first for you. Things I'm going to hear on this coaching search going forward, you're going to get it first. Emily's going to give me stuff that she's hearing that we're going to share with the insiders, right? Being a Syracuse sports insider, this is the time basketball is about to play three games in a row in Maui and that season going right like this is prime time to be an insider text the word orange to 
847-3895. It's a two-week free trial. It's just $3.99 a month after that. There's going to be a lot of stuff coming here over the next couple of weeks. In the meantime, thank Emily Liker, who's running on fumes at this point, just off the plane from Atlanta, hopping in, doing the pod. Thank you, Emily, for that. Appreciate it. Doing my best, Brent. Doing my best. That's right. So we'll be very caffeinated over the next week, uh, bringing you everything you need to know about this coaching search. Thanks to our friends at Krause Health, the exclusive health care provider for SU Athletics. Thanks to our Syracuse Sports Insiders and everybody that listened and watched to the pod today. In this case, it's official. Dino Babers is no longer the head football coach for the Orange, and the search is on for the 33rd head coach in Syracuse football history. Plenty more of pods and coverage to come, guys. Stay tuned. But thanks for watching and listening today.